What is going on, guys? Welcome back to Fat Man Talking Podcast. It's been a few weeks. Sorry for the delay. Uh, the This episode in particular was recorded a few weeks ago. And uh, to be honest, look, I wasn't... All that was required was this maybe one minute to explain what was going on, explaining what was coming on the show. Uh, just a little intro. And I was feeling pretty burnt out. I was feeling just pretty down. And I just didn't fancy doing it. So look, this is the first of three episodes, three interviews definitely coming out there's going to be some solo episodes uh but this definitely the first this is an interview i had with a guy named paul germany uh, he's a pt from galway he's based out of vietnam now um personal trainer in person turned online trainer and my former trainer really really nice guy and look he, he's a wise man he's, he's very knowledgeable and you know he's a, he's a good friend and a very positive dude and to say i appreciated him coming on uh would be an understatement uh, so look, I'm going to keep it pretty brief here. Uh, I need to jump on and explain to you what's been going on with me. And I'll do that soon. Um, maybe even tomorrow. I'm going to see how I'm feeling. But I just, I'm in the mindset to do it really, to be honest. And I really want to let people know what's been going on with me. And let you all know that I'm fine, but I'm just working through some stuff. Um, and yeah, that's it really. So look, I'll go into deeper detail soon. Uh, not that any of you are probably going to care. But look, just to keep you in the loop. Um keep the solo solo episodes coming and keep everything going strong i suppose uh but look um uh, been a lazy man the past few weeks not wanting to do podcasts feeling so negative and i suppose anti-social kind of pulling myself away from everything that's been going on in life that required me to be social and that's been tough and probably hasn't been the best for me uh probably if i recorded a, an episode every week even if i was talking shy it probably would have done me better and i realize that now uh, but look, we, we just keep learning and we keep moving forward and that's all we can do. So look, here's my interview with Paul. I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, I know I did. I know it was a great chat for me, that's for sure. And look, we'll try keep the consistency pretty good for you people. And look, for all of you who are still hanging around, you know I appreciate you. You know I appreciate you listening. And this is Fat Man Talking Podcast. Enjoy. And we are live. Paul Dermody, welcome to the show. How are we keeping, man? We are very well. Thanks for having me. I um, I deleted my Spanish verb app for this, so this better be worth it. That's, that's pretty tough now. I feel really bad. But look, I actually, when you said that to me, so background for the listeners. I was on to Paul yesterday. I said, look, we're going to jump on Zoom to record this podcast. Paul was Skype man. He wasn't really feeling the Zoom. And he says to me, I don't have enough memory on my phone. In this day and age, you're a businessman, you're an international traveler, and you have a phone that has that little memory, sir. I mean, if you're going to invest in one thing, invest in something that you just don't have to worry about memory. Your average phone will have enough memory to do you for however long, or are you just keeping loads of videos of yourself on that phone? Be honest. They're not, they're not all videos of me. I have technique training videos on hand to send clients who struggle or who need a, you know, if someone says, Paul, I don't know how to use the leg extension. I'm like, oh. Au contraire, bang, WhatsApp, leg extension. But Paul, have you ever also, heard of the cloud? It's this magical thing. It lives I up think in the Orla, sky. My girlfriend Orla has been telling me, I think it's the cloud. She might have mentioned the cloud. I'm not strong on technology. I happen to simply love being a personal trainer who owns a mobile phone. It's, it's more of, of a, a passion, shall we say. It's, it's not my technological prowess that has gotten me here, Shane, oh, that's for sure. But, um, but dude, it's all, it's all about getting with the times. I mean, especially in business. 
like, come on, you can have WhatsApp on your computer. You can have all your videos in the cloud. You could just jump on your computer, hop on WhatsApp, zoom off a video, sort. I mean, come on, dude. You're not incorrect, but all I knew is that yesterday when the Zoom request came through, I now have to go to Google to conjugate abrazo in the past and future tense because of this phone call. So I hope you're happy. I'm very sorry. Well, look, dude, since we, we're pretty into it already, but look, in terms of those who are not going to know you, which poor people, I mean, really, you're just a benefit to everyone's life. But tell them a little bit about yourself without going into too much detail now because we, we need to save the juicy bits for later. Uh, I appreciate that, Shane. Um, all right, I am a personal trainer. I am mostly online personal trainer. I still do a little bit of one-to-one. -one. I live in Vietnam, of all places. Um, I was living back home for a while, and the weather was my driving force to leave the country. So I left my one-to-one -one personal training business after several months of planning, and now I'm working as an online trainer. Um, initially. Not that this is even that interesting. Initially, I left. I didn't have very many online clients, and I was really intrigued to see, like, you know, the ins and outs of trying to build an online business. And I joked with you at the start about loving personal training above technology, but I really do love personal training and and like the people side of things. Before I love the technological side of things, um, which do, which should be the case. Um, and since that time, my business has become, you know, very very self sustaining out in Vietnam, and I see my future probably traveling for. For the foreseeable future, certainly, um, I've helped quite a few clients. I've had some cool transformations. I've taken a couple of clients to the men's physique stage where they've been, you know, no body fat in their bones. I've helped one guy all the way up to losing 150, 160 pounds and, and everything in between. So I work with a very diverse group of people. And now I'm in many countries in the world, which I still find astonishing. I had a girl start training with me just before Christmas and it was blown away two of them one is in new york lives in new york from new york and the other was in carolina from carolina and it's all come through the podcast very um, cool, so that's man. yeah it's, it still blows my mind a little bit so, uh, that you can do it in this day and age oh yeah from in, a small in a lad from galway a small lad from galway just try trying to live his dream no that's good man i love it so look um personal trainer jet setting around the world what made you outside of the weather? Like, I know, I remember I was following you. I'd say before I actually got to know you, I'd say I was following you for about a year and I just saw randomly on your social media, oh, I'm moving to Barcelona. I mean, what drives a guy to just go, you know what, I'm going to leave my girlfriend in Ireland. I'm going to go off to Barcelona and I'm just going to learn the language. Like, what, what kind of set that in motion? Was it strictly weather? Initially, yeah. Um, I actually had the ambition to live in Barcelona um it was actually brian Keane that reminded me of this and i had almost forgotten it but in 2014 i nearly moved to barcelona to take a waiting job you know waiting tables okay. i think it was only about yeah i think it was only about six or 650 euro 650 an hour so the wage isn't very good in barcelona city center but i didn't do it i just said it's going to be very difficult to live on that kind of money any kind of real quality of life so i said mm, now's probably not the time and then i was just in the gym in uh what was it the winter of 2018 and one of my spanish clients said oh i'm going back to spain for the summer and i went i'd love to go to spain for the summer and i went home that evening and i said to orla my girlfriend i was like how would you feel about going to spain for the summer and she's a teacher and she said yeah cool let's do it and i said are you sure she was like yeah 100 percent. let's go for it and i was like fantastic 
So I booked that night, um, decided to just leave, book the tickets, go to Spain, one-way ticket, obviously. I actually went, as you alluded to, I went six weeks before Orlab, but that was genuinely, I wanted to try and build up the online business for a few weeks just to see. And I wanted a relatively distractionless six weeks. So I went six weeks before her just to work on myself, personal development and the business and just to see, you know, what could you do in six weeks? Could you build up clients without being overly salesy? Um, and then once I got a taste for, you know, making a little bit of money while traveling uh, and, and doing it what I consider to be ethically and genuinely telling clients that like, I don't think I'll be a good fit for you. And then confidently and deeply telling clients, yeah, I think I'm going to be a good fit for you. Once I got a bit of a taste for that and then obviously started producing results to boot, I just was like, geez, where else am I limited? Where am I limiting myself? You know, what, what's next? And um, once I got a taste with the sun, I was never coming home. So we moved to Vietnam where it's 33 degrees all the time. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell, man. It was mostly weather driven. And to be honest, it largely still is. I have to tell the truth. There's very little I value in life other than a good cup of coffee and the sunshine. And I could probably cope under any other conditions. You're like the opposite of me. It's crazy. Like if you said to me, you have to live in the sunshine all the time, I'd lose my mind. I couldn't. Would you? I genuinely, I melt. I get really, I get really angry. I get annoyed. I can do like two weeks in Spain. Yeah. But even like by the end of the probably 10 days in, I'm like, no, I need some cold air. I need a breeze. I need some rain. Like I'm the weirdo who'll purposely wear shorts on the flight back to Ireland. Just so when you step out to a real rainy runway in Cork, you can just feel the rain hitting you. You feel that cold, the fresh air. I just, honestly, I, I'm sadly, I, I'm thinking at some stage, yeah, I'll probably go away for a year or two, maybe. But there is absolutely no hope I could stay away. Like, I just need my cold weather. Or even I need somewhere with a few seasons. I, can't, I couldn't be in Australia or somewhere where you're just sitting in a frying pan all year round. Just, so you, you, you never get that November feeling, no? I don't know how to describe it other than a, a November feeling where it's dark and then it's light for six seconds and then it's dark again and then it's raining all the time. It, it depends. It, I mean, sure, if you're sitting in work and you're like looking out and you leave work when it's dark and you get to work when it's dark, it's pretty depressing. But at the same time, you know, if you go out for a walk at nighttime, it's nice and cold. Like even this week in Ireland, it's probably your nightmare. But like it's been like, I think Saturday night I stayed up to watch UFC. So I called over to one of the lads about two in the morning to go watch it. And it was like minus two and a half degrees. And I was walking around in a t-shirt from the car to the house. And I just thought, this is heaven. Just felt that cold. I was like (laughs) frost on my windscreen, had to defrost the car in the morning when I left at seven after the McGregor fight. And I was like, this is perfection. I mean, you just can't beat it. It's, you know what we hold two very different perspectives there my friend i think so sir that's why you're in vietnam and i'm in ireland you know it's just game changer so look <laughs> obviously i know you from actually working with you in the past and you definitely helped me set up some great habits for weight loss and pretty much just mindset and everything in between but in terms of your client list i know you have a very diverse range but one pattern i've definitely noticed and i've gotten to know some of your clients some really nice guys is you really have a big effect on people who are losing or aiming to lose a huge amount of weight. So what is it say across the board of those people who've lost a hundred plus pounds or those people who are well on that journey? What do you see that they have in common, the habits and I suppose routines that really make a difference to someone as opposed to your general crash dieter? It's a great question. Um, and yeah, you, you have met, met friends with some people. I, I have some, I'm very blessed. I have some really lovely clients. Uh, I've said it to you before. I have clients that I would consider 
personal friends had I met them, like first personal friends first had I met them in any other walk of life. And obviously the relationship has to say some degree of professional, albeit I'm probably not the most professional man <laughs> in the world. Um, I pushed away for years. Maybe it was through maybe following or listening to the wrong kind of content that like, you know, a trainer needs to be X, a certain mold. But I learned through the last two years that I'm quite a motivator. Now, you might not find me motivating as an individual, and I respect that, but I feel a little bit like the captain of a team at times where I can get the best out of somebody by pointing out something uniquely strong about them. And whether I'm wrong or right, I feel I have the ability to criticize someone and make them want to improve as a result of the criticism as opposed to say it in such a way where they feel attacked now first and foremost being really overweight or being obese there's a stigma attached to it and i respect that and i, I really commend anybody who tries to make a change even fad dieters who i, I really respect they're trying to make a change i just know no it's not long lasting i respect that there's such a stigma attached to it but what i'm actually trying to do is go the other way i want people like why i want there should be an element of like you know, difficulty or offense with any conversation worth having. I wouldn't like to patronize somebody who's extremely overweight by be like, oh, you know, poor you. You. Poor you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't think that's fair. I wouldn't like it. Um. And and I just don't see that there's a difference between me, you, or any other person on the planet. So if you've looked to me for guidance, you might have not been mindfully aware of your decisions. You know, I I don't feel agree with this. Um, because you're on your own journey. I don't know if you'll agree, but sometimes I'll be told it's like I ignored it for 10 years. And then one day I just saw a picture. I looked in the mirror and it was just apparent to me. It was just there. It was staring at me in the face. And I was like, cool. So something just brought your attention. Now you have to look inward. Now you have to set an appropriate time frame. Now you're going to have to change a series of habits. Now you have to choose a new pain over a familiar pain. You don't get to be pain free. You get to, <laughs> you get to choose a new pain over a a more familiar pain, which can be a bit tricky at the start, but trust between me and the client is a big thing where they know that I'm probably, I'm going to take them, I'm going to accompany them on the journey, giving them the best information possible. But I do very much try, very actively try to change people's perspective towards dieting, towards food on the way. Like you'd be blown away if how many clients message me and be like, man, I just tracked a Big Mac. It's not the worst thing in the world. Like, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't build my diet around Big Macs, but a 600 calorie Big Mac's not going to kill you. And they're like, yeah, I had one. I'm like, cool. Like, they're like, usually this is where I'd go off my diet for six weeks. I'm like, try not doing that. Try not going off your diet for six weeks this time. I'm like, of course. How oh, genius. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it, a bit of, bit of humor sprinkled in the mix. But ultimately, you know, I heard Gary Vee say a phrase a couple of years ago saying winners are going to win always when the time is right. And I think that kind of applies to everything in life. Like, I think when you know you've, you're ready to make the change, you know, when the, when the student is ready, the master appears, or when the student's ready, the teacher appears. I, I speak or I put myself out in such a way, you know, 101 podcast episodes, whereby if you like me and my substance, then you know ultimately what I'm about. And, and I just feel changing someone's perspective towards dieting. Like, you're not, if, if you start getting into the philosophy of you're not on a plan, you're not on a diet, so never again will you be off the diet. You're just managing your energy, your calories a little bit better. You'll start to understand that periods of calorie restriction and periods of calorie indulgence are both par for the course. So then Christmas comes around and it's like, yeah, so I had a few more calories and I gained three pounds. You know, what do you do? I'll just, now I have the tools to get rid of it. Um, so I think going to your question, and I've answered it in a very roundabout way, 
I think people who are ready to make the change are ready to get a brand new perspective that like losing X number of pounds will take an appropriate amount of time, whether you do it aggressively or otherwise. And you have to lace up your marathon shoes and not your sprint shoes. And you have to get away from this like obsessive diet mentality and put yourself more into the, you know, eating in pursuit of a meaningful goal mentality. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I think definitely in terms of like setting up the habits for weight loss, it's something if you, you're never going to know you're there until you really get there. And I think there was a long time where I focused on really being strict and really being not just strict on calories, but strict on the, the specific foods and everything in between. And one of the things I learned from say you or your client, Steve, is just the idea of you could still have the stuff you like, but you just need to make sure it's not putting you in a surplus or anything along those lines. I mean, I know Steve is murder for a bit of chocolate in his porridge. I know I personally love a little bit of chocolate in the evening with my cup of tea, but it's all counted in and it's all hugely important that way. But I mean, in terms of weight loss yourself, and I mean, like you've had clients who've had some serious, serious results and it's, it's amazing to see. Like, what would you say are the key building blocks outside of, so you have the food, you know, obviously keeping yourself at a calorie deficit. I mean, how is, is it just about really being, I suppose, focused on your mindset around the food? Is it about the exercise? I mean, how important is it all in your opinion? It's a great question. Um, you've mentioned something brilliant there. I've noticed people put too much attention or tend to put too much attention on exercise as a, as the thing that's going to take them to the weight loss. Like exercise is a, a phenomenal tool. We should all be aspiring to exercise, but we, I, don't, I don't believe we should be exercising to burn calories. It's a very inefficient way to do so. You should be, and I'll try and keep this in the most simple of language, we should be exercising to force an adaptation in the body. So if you want to run a 5K, you should be exercising to force an adaptation in your body that the next time you try and run that distance, you're fitter. So you're either like, it, it, to simplify, either running more than 5K or running 5K in quicker time. That's the adaptation. Similar with weight training. You're not burning not many calories doing weight training, but if you want bigger biceps, you force the adaptation of doing bicep curls with heavier weights for stronger biceps. Where you lose your fat is ultimately with your calories, your nutrition. You, like I always say to people, life's not one big diet, but it's also not a big party, so find the balance. But you are essentially at the most fundamental trying to get into a calorie deficit and as much as it is calories in versus calories out calories in versus calories out doesn't always play so simple in the real world you know yourself for real world things your own psychology etc but it is essentially calories in calories out over prolonged periods of time and then other component is just being more active move more park further away um take the stairs you know i'm not saying anything groundbreaking or that hasn't been said before but i feel it's so overlooked I feel it's so overlooked when people do try and make such a drastic change. They put their, just they put the energy in the wrong place. I think they overprioritize what exercise is going to do and underprioritize like neat walking, walking around, you know, overall calorie balance. You alluded to the food thing earlier. I think the segregation of foods into don't think of them in as much as good and bad foods as more the context of a good or bad overall diet is, um, a much more empowering way to look at it you know i i think you 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 see that too like i, I follow you on instagram and i see your post like you, you don't segregate foods as good or bad anymore i try not to anyway i mean i i think it's definitely stigmatized in my brain still like there's still 
I know what to, it depends on my mindset on the day. Like there's a day where I'm doing really, really well and a biscuit won't throw me. But there's also days where maybe if you're a bit down and you're still trying to keep on plan or you're still trying to keep yourself on form, that for some reason, one digestive biscuit can completely shatter you in terms of, I, I don't know what it is. Like you could have eaten your full calories for the day. You're not hungry. But it's like the idea of if I open the floodgates with that one biscuit, suddenly I feel like it's okay to order a pizza, get all the food in. It's a, it's a weird thing. And I, I still haven't gotten to the crux of why it happens, but it's just something you need to kind of build around. So, I mean, the truth is usually it's just saying like, look, shut the fuck up. You're absolutely just doing yourself in here. Put down the phone and don't order the pizza. But it, it, it's, I don't know what it is. It just seems to be inbuilt over years and years of habits. And I think that's the thing people don't realize is that you've built these habits over years and years. And just because you've been on, I don't know, say a diet or on a healthy kick for two or three weeks, maybe a month, even three months, it's not just going to disappear. Like that was your go-to, like your go-to reaction after a night out is to go get your burger, your kebab, your go-to reaction on a Friday night is still, I feel like pizza while I'm watching whatever crap TV is on. So I think when it comes down to it, even if for four weeks you're reaching for an apple instead of the pizza, it's not just going to go away. It's going to take time. It's going to take building the new habits. And I mean, if you like me, I've probably, I ate unhealthy for easily 10, 12 years, like fully, like, I mean, sure. I played sport. Sure. I exercised. Sure. There was kicks in the gym every now and then, but like in terms of actual healthy eating, healthy eating was maybe 10% of that 12 years, we'll say. So, I mean, now when I'm starting to build things up, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, just because I'm eating healthy for four weeks, everything's changed. I mean, you're still going to have those, I suppose, crutches in a sense that you might try to lean on in bad times and good times. It happens. What lands then with you, say, like, and it's, I love talking to people about this kind of stuff because I have it, with the exception of the little bit of body fat you gain in college, like, I've never struggled with my weight. You know, um, I'm fortunate that clients tell me whether, whether I'm being selective bias here and taking the nice, that I have a good ability to empathize with their situation because I'm an 80 kilo man in the mid to low teens body fat. Like I have no large weight struggles in the health struggle sense. But what, like what lands with you say, I know that if I was talking to someone and, and, and myself in a different area of life, say when I'm trying to build up an area I'm particularly weak on, I always try and ask myself, what would the you you admire do in this circumstance? Or what would the person you look up to most? Or what does your best self, your target self look like in this situation? And that, re that really helps me as cheesy as it sounds. You know, when, you're, when I'm trying to iron out really terrible areas in my own life, I'm like, you know, you don't have to keep defining yourself by the past. You can reinvent this aspect of your personality at any time. You know, it's okay to evolve. It's okay to let go. It's okay to let the ego go and start working off the higher self. And, you know, I'm always thinking then, okay, your, your best target self would look like this. What would he do next? And then I kind of break it into a series of micro decisions. Um, like, is that the kind of thing then for you that turning the tail in the interview, but would that <laughs> land with you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think so. hundred percent. I think for me, when it comes down to it is future planning is important, but I'm actually, I'm just trying to live in week to week right now. And I don't mean in terms of the habits and the, say planning my food or anything along those lines I kind of have a good idea of what I'm going to eat every week and everything's pretty planned out in advance in terms of I know if I'm going to have a meal out or anything else and I, I plan for that but in terms of like myself I used to really focus on the end goal and I used to focus on say for me at the moment the goal ultimately for this year is to get back down to 90 kg 
and just bring the weight down slowly week by week. But I can't focus on that because that guy is a mile away. He could be 10 different versions of me away and it's not going to happen overnight. And I think there's some days where you wake up and you're thinking, I wish I was that 90 kilo man, or I wish I was that chain who was skinnier, or that chain who was I don't know, more muscular, whatever it might be. You can't focus on that. So instead, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the chain that's 127 kilos next week. I'm going to be the guy that's focusing on that. And I think the people I'm gravitating to aren't so much the people who are massively successful or massively motivational. It's just people that are genuinely putting themselves out there and showing both their struggle and their success. The people who are showing, oh, I had a crap week on food this week. Look, I ate this chocolate bar. Or, oh, look, I went for a dirty takeaway. But look, I'm in the gym. Or it could be the dude, be it business or anything else, like Gary Vee, who's just cut the bullshit, just telling you, look, this is what I need you to do. Just do it. And it's very simple like that. I think for me, what lands with me is never going to be the same thing every day. Like I know one thing we always disagreed on was say a guy like David Goggins. Now I follow David Goggins and I listen to his Instagram stories and that motivates me five days out of the week. When I want to go to the gym, I see David Goggins on a run shouting at me, telling me I'm a lazy prick and I need to get my shit in order. Most of the time that works for me, but for you, that probably wouldn't land on you. If you have a few jobs on your plate and David Goggins says, cut the shit and do your stuff probably won't be the same will it it doesn't land with me because it's too extreme i i love the hard truth but i love a gary v being like you know you want it fuck face you got to work for it i don't know if i can swear on this oh yeah work away no no swear away Uh, but i feel like goggins wants me to do 40 push-ups before i walk into the bathroom you know i feel like it's really impractical what goggins wants from me whereas i feel gary v's a bit like work hard you dick i'm like yeah that makes a lot of sense but But are are you taking it too literal then no, because there was one video that at one time had to, I had to click out of because he said something about for a day, every day you walk through a door frame, you had to do five or 10 push-ups or something. Every single time you walk through a door frame, he was doing five or 10 push-ups. I went, all right, this guy's a bit weird, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt because I remember I thought the same about Gary Mee the first time I saw him and it turns out I love the guy. But then I just started watching Goggins and it's like, I, I, I just... Uh, no, it just doesn't land with me. I just feel he wants to do something all the time. I love to rest. Like, I love working hard, but I also love Sunday evening on the couch for four hours watching football. So it's not going to overly land with me with the Goggin sense. But just to take it back to what you were saying about the, the target self, and you know that 90 kilo U is a little bit away right now, but, like, you know, each day is closer. One, one thing from – I remember once upon a time I had a job, an office job, and I paid minimum wage. And I remember thinking, right, when I'm out of here and I take my first PT client, I'm going to be so much happier. And it it was true. The second I left my office job, I was so much happier. I took my first client for free for six months. And then I took my first paying client. I made a tenner an hour out of it. And I was buzzed. I was pumped. That tenner meant more to me than anything in the world. And I remember thinking, all right, it's hard. You know, the first couple of years are hard. You're a personal trainer in Galway. Like, you're relatively anonymous. You don't have a lot of money. Like, you know, I got rid of pretty much everything I would need. I bought a little 2004 Toyota Yaris to support what I wanted to do, but I stopped buying things otherwise. And I'm, I always had a vision that I didn't think I'd be able to achieve of living in Spain with I had a number of online clients, you know, paying me uh, a living that I can very much live off, etc. And that was like, you know, that's, the, that's essentially the goal. And then everything else is going to build up from there. And now that I've gotten there and probably a little bit past it, to be honest, I'm no happier now than I was that first day I took my first client. I was equally as happy then as I am now. And I really feel it's been focus on your current client and getting the best results and making them happy. 
and then keep doing your best with everyone that comes in your life until you create the abundance you want. And all of a sudden, I find that the manifestation, the outer manifestation, the physical results are nothing other than a, what you've managed to bring into your time frame by the, 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 you know, the results of a much healthier, better thought process of appreciation and presence and just doing your best in a given day. And I do feel that, again, I talked earlier about relating to obese people. Like, I don't think that's any different than the journey. It's a lot more emotional and there's a hell of a lot more attached to obesity than like, oh, work hard. I get it. I totally get it. But metaphorically, strictly metaphorically, pragmatically, if someone's not socioeconomically bound by poverty and stuff and they're in a position where they can change, it's just like, look, we just have a series of mini decisions to make. Forget about the weight and as much as focus on the next decision, focus on the target outcome. Try and be pleasantly happy along. Like I left my job because I wasn't happy there. But it wasn't like I'm going to miserable myself to X number of clients and money. It was, all right, I need to radically accept where I am on the ladder of quote unquote success and then build. And that's what I want clients and everyone and you. You're like, I am where I am. Now I can build upon that in pursuit of a more meaningful goal. And Going back to what you said, Goggins just doesn't give me that. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. It's it's kind of, I don't know. I suppose we all have those different things that land with us. And I suppose we all have our own individual struggle. Um, now, look, obviously weight loss for me is a huge thing. And I suppose it's more, it's a, it's a life change I want to make. But for you, you know, you're in a good place. You're living in Vietnam. You're happy with your weather. Finally, lucky, lucky you. You have your time to train. You have your online clients. And I mean, just from speaking to you, you have a very, busy but at the same time quite free schedule where you can take time to do spanish sessions or you can take time to go train one or two clients out in vietnam one-to-one which probably you didn't get the chance to do for a little while but i mean you're looking at 2020 the year started what's actually on the agenda for you like what are you pushing towards outside of work like what are your passion projects because i think work is great and i think work will take you so far but what are the things you really want to get done this year just for you obviously it's probably not weight loss but right now the the thing i'd love to do the most is master spanish language i'm still intermediate i could be being a bit generous i'm still at an intermediate level um i'd love to master the spanish language and i want to do a bit more traveling i'm going to thailand uh tomorrow actually and or no thursday morning and then we're heading to hoi an a little beautiful kind of coast town thing up in vietnam uh, in a couple of weeks and then I'm actually back in Ireland in April I hope for a little talk that I'm trying to run uh, and probably do a little bit of Spain when I'm back so I want to travel a bit more this year um, definitely travel a bit more see a little bit more of the world I know Europe doesn't really count because I was there for long enough um, but uh, other than that I just want to take it as it comes you know I know it's away from work but work's such a big part of my life and I want to run my first public talk this year and that in itself is quite scary really scary but like nothing comes in a comfort zone it'll be my first self like solo Paul Dermody talk I've done a couple of public talks for people before but but yeah it's my own first one so that I'm scares me for that one I, I thank think, you yeah I think I may even venture up to Galway for it and Galway I've bad memories of Galway I'll tell you that the last time I was in Galway I got my head stuck in a cot and I mean, if you're not a baby when this happened, you've, you've got some explaining to I, I was a child, but at the same time, it scared me. You know, that I there was never going back after that. I said, no, not happening. They had, they had, <laughs> to, they had to pry my head from a cot. Yeah, I, I was that stupid fathead child who got stuck. So look, for you, Paul, I may even venture back to Galway. So, I mean, really, your, your talk is definitely going to mean a lot. But I mean, I think in terms of doing something like that, how are you for public speaking? Like podcasts, you're, you're very calm, collective 
phone calls with clients constantly. I'm sure you're good to go, but were you always that way? Like, were you always able to just go, oh, I'm going to speak? Like, you're called upon to read an English class. How did you react? If you, I, I got feedback on the first few podcasts that I was not amazing. I spoke too quick. I interrupted guests. I still have a tendency to do that on calls and things. I have a tendency to jump in. Yeah, I get it totally. I have a tendency to jump in because I almost know what's going to be said or I'm so excited, but that doesn't show up well when someone's trying to listen to a nice casual conversation. You're like, oh, I know, I know. Yes, I know. Um, but then Brian Keane, incidentally, and one or two other people, Orla and my girlfriend, pointed out that I was too quick to run down people's throats. So I started watching public speakers I admire, namely Jordan Peterson and Gary Vee. And I noticed for effect they'd leave nice long pauses between words and at the right time etc etc and i thought oh i need to start doing more of that but then as i built the, as i went online I, you know i call pretty much all my clients once a week if i can i do 100 i have 101 podcasts now which i've gotten a bit better at even like i, I had gary vaynerchuk on the podcast which was pushing me out of my comfort zone a bit because we did it in his office in new york i'm not sure if your listeners follow or know gary v but to me, it was a bit of a deal just getting him on it, especially at the time when I was a bit more raw. So I've, it's terrifying, to be honest, the idea of doing a public talk. But what kind of hypocrite would I be if I was here like, Shane, no excuses, get out of your comfort zone. And then it's like, oh, hey, Paul, here's your comfort zone. I'm like, no, I don't want to leave that. You know, it's all well and good for me to be teaching people how to manage weight because I don't struggle with mine. But I'd rather lead by example and be like, here's how you manage the comfort zone. You know, I'm big on this and I don't want to risk stepping outside my zone of competence here. But I don't, I believe many of us are walking around with these kind of like unresolved traumas of youth or unresolved traumas, emotional conditioning, whatever you want to call it. And I wonder where along the way that I try to speak or do something in school or in class that someone shot me down and laughed that makes me afraid to talk in front of people. Because I get it. Like I, I get afraid to talk in front of people. I'm afraid of the judgment. I'm afraid of the laughter. Afraid of it all. I just understand it a bit better now because I hear so many people with the exact same kind of thing. So I'm like, hmm, maybe collectively we're all just not practicing enough self-observation like as a whole. Maybe we're not looking inwards enough and thinking, where did I adopt this mentality and who gave it to me? And why am I letting somebody else's opinion of me become my reality? Like, why am I operating and holding this story from ego, that protective ego that likes to keep us safe as opposed to operating from the higher self? You know, my higher self is like, your growth now is on the other end of public talking. It's the ego's like, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry, you don't need to do that. But the higher self is like, you do need to do it because your growth is on the other side. Um, and I think it's so important. So like as a trainer and as some clients mentor, I hesitate to use that term, but that's what I've been asked before for training. And, and even a couple of personal trainers have applied for mentorship. It's not like I can manage my weight, so you should too. It's here's a solid series of fundamental principles by which to manage your weight. You probably need to work on them for a few years, but actually you need to know that the person you're letting need you is actually able to level up and step outside their comfort zone too. Because I think that's exactly what a real mentor mentor does. They just make the complex look easy, and then they kind of suffocate the fear by doing their thing. Like I get a lot of my motivation because Gary Vee is such a natural on stage, and I'm like, someone can do the thing I want to do. That makes me feel a little bit better about myself because the blueprint is there. It's the same then when I'm like, well, yeah, you can definitely eat like four slices of pizza and stop without going off your diet for four days. The blueprint's there it'll be hard and it'll, I respect how difficult it's going to be, but let's talk. 
Like, who taught you about nutrition? Where'd you get that stupid piece of advice from? Let's talk. Like, okay, that's not true. Let's get rid of that. And then you're just trying to systematically unlearn things that you've picked up throughout the years, which is fucking hard because it involves getting real with yourself and then realizing your insufficiencies. 100%. I think especially with public speaking, it's like something that, I don't know, it's nearly a stigma, I think, in some way I put on myself as like a child where I was like, I shouldn't speak. And I think it's down to like, you know where maybe you're doubting you're smart a little in school and you're like, oh, I'm really afraid to talk. Or maybe you're, you pick up the book and the teacher says, all right, we're going to, everyone's going to read out one page. And I remember I used to see where she'd start and I'd count around and I'd go, what's my page I'm going to read? And I would not pay attention to any of the book. And I would be looking at this book, reading my page over and over, looking out for troublesome words that are going to get me. And then it would get to me. And I remember once one of the guys went to the bathroom. And so I don't, I don't even remember which guy in my class it was, but he got up and went to the bathroom. And so it skipped to me and I was prepping my page for 10 minutes. And next thing I had to read a different page and I crumbled. And I remember just thinking I must've messed up every third word. I was all like jumpy with the way I was speaking, my voice shaking, just nerves. And I think when it came down to it, when I was like, all right, I really want to start a podcast. I love listening to guys like Joe Rogan, Brian Keane, all these great podcasts. And I remember thinking to myself, you can't even talk in public. You can't even talk to people. I mean, I'm genuinely the guy, like, say, out of my group of friends when we were younger, I could have been the chattiest guy in the world if I knew you for like two or three weeks, maybe a month. But I mean, the first few times I'd meet you, I'd probably just stay quite silent. I'd be pretty quiet, pretty, pretty into myself, just saying, no, I'm not going to say much here. I don't like talking to new people. So I now for me to jump on, say, a random Skype call at nine in the morning with a guy who, fair enough, you I know, but I've talked to a few strangers in the past few weeks who I'm like, I have no idea who you are. I don't know much about you other than what maybe your career or your lifestyle is. And just to have a conversation for an hour. It's, a, it's just about pushing yourself outside the comfort zone. And I think mainly it's down to the fact of you, you literally just have to immerse yourself in it. It's like you learn in a language. You were learning Spanish. You moved to Spain. You spoke as much Spanish as you possibly could. I want to talk in public or I want to talk to people. I want to run a podcast. The best way to do that is just recording podcast episodes. It doesn't matter Absolutely. if the first few are shite or if the first few I interrupt the guests. And I'm still murder for that. But I think the main thing, and it's the same at most habits, is you just need to keep doing it over and over and over. I mean, I don't know how many solo episodes I've recorded on my podcast that I didn't bother releasing, but talking for that 40 minutes, it's a little bit of self-therapy where you can really get your thoughts out there and you're just releasing them. And it's a little bit of, well, we've practiced and we know where we're falling down in terms of the words. Now we just need to keep practicing until we get it right. I've listened to your podcast, your solo episodes, and I've been so impressed with how clear you speak and how well you get your message across. I'm not just saying that I'd be the first to give oh, you constructive criticism if it was welcome. No, but I have. I've been super impressed, but I also know that it's probably not the kind of thing that comes natural to you. You know, a lot of your podcasts, you've been very raw and honest about, you know, weight struggles and, you know, certain things like that. And like, it takes a lot to, to not only present information of that personal level but to do it in such a clear concise and easy to digest manner um but i also know the score from experience that like that's not some natural dude who's like yeah i'm going to release a podcast letting everybody know how insufficient i am it's more of a here's a way to you know like you exactly said escape my comfort zone you know do the first couple of episodes even though they may or may not be <laughs> the way i want them to be i think we make the mistake in life with weight loss with everything of thinking you know i'll do once i have you know, uh, you know, I'll do it when I'm ready. You know, it just, it just doesn't play out like that. You know, you have to, 
I always joke, I had written on my little whiteboard, I had three goals last year, just a fitness goal. That was just to keep me motivated because um, my physique, my body fat starts to slump a little bit when I focus on business and my girlfriend. Nothing crazy, but enough that I don't feel great. Okay. Um, I, yeah, oh, that's, it's funny because I, I, I don't talk about this much on social because there's nothing more patronizing than a fitness guy who's usually 10% body fat slipping to 16 body fat and be like, oh, I slipped. It's like, yeah, relax, mate. You're still, you're still fine. Like, you're just a little bit chubby, um, which did happen to me. I got a little bit chubby by my own appreciative standards. Um, so I just kind of wrote myself a little bit of a goal on the whiteboard. And I just wrote like, you know, stay within a certain fitness range or fat, fat percent range you know, stay within a certain number of clients and a certain income. And in under that, we need that with my language. I wrote, there's no such thing as fluency, which is obviously not true because of course there's such thing as fluency, but the mindset behind it was you can't skip the process. I can't just be fluent and then start speaking. Fluency comes with the thousand hours of practice with the botched order of coffee in a Spanish cafe, you know, tripping over your own tongue, trying to ask someone directions. Like that's the process of fluency but you don't, you don't just get the thing by skipping the process. I, like, you know, I'll be happy when I'm 60 kilos. You won't. You need to change a series of habits to get to 60 kilos as a byproduct of the way you think. Um, same with Spanish. I'm not going to be fluent. I need to speak just broken enough Spanish that gets easier to understand each and every time so I get to a point where I don't have to think as much about my words. Um, and again, the podcast on episode 101 now had some cool guests. I get DMs all the time. Oh my God, you had such and such a person. That's so cool. I'm like, yeah, but episode two got like 30 downloads. So like, you know, it's I, a I process. Think, I think it's funny that way. I, I, I remember when I started the podcast, like in terms of guests, and that, that just really struck me there. I just have to kind of, I have to go with it. But the way that it seems like the caliber of guest, when you're starting out, you think that's really the main thing. And you think if I get like these amazing people on the podcast, they're going to make the difference. And I think that's what makes it enjoyable when you're talking to people you look up to or people you enjoy speaking to. But like, I find it super weird that sometimes it's, it's the like, like for me, it's the personal trainer from Cork who maybe more people would know locally that people resonate with way more than the really big personal trainer or say fitness guy from, I don't know, from America or something like that. I mean, it's really strange that some of the podcasts I thought would get like shed loads of listens. God, fuck all. And then versus yeah. the ones that I'm like, all right, this is just your average guy. Like, you know, there's a guy who I had on the podcast and people genuinely really resonated with that podcast. It was Shane Finn. And the dude ran and cycled across America. So he started off in San Francisco and went all the way to New York. And he was doing this for charity. He was doing this for family reasons, just his own personal internal motivation. And it's like, that's the guy who resonated with people 10 times more than maybe the big name who I thought, oh, they'll be a funny guest and people will know them from whatever, you know, whatever projects they have on and it, it just turns out no it just doesn't really work that way so it's, it's very interesting it is and and you probably i don't know if many of your listeners even have their own podcast but you almost as well when you start you think you know oh this would be tricky and then you just reach out to people and ask them to be on it and they just say yes like people, people nice. tend to say yes people are nice people are it's crazy it's the same I, I read this book a few weeks ago is um I don't know if you've ever watched it. You probably don't because you're in Vietnam, but there's a show on Channel 4 called SAS Who Dares Wins. And they basically, they take a load of regular people and they put them into a, a micro-sized SAS type training camp where they have to do many challenges similar to if you were joining the SAS Royal Marines. And so it's basically just average people of a normal fitness level trying to get through these army-style challenges. 
And it's a really good show. And one of the contestants on that wrote this amazing book. And the dude is a seriously amazing story. And I just randomly shot him a message the other day. And I was like, oh, any chance you want to do an interview? I read your book. I really liked it. And the dude was just straight off back to me like, yeah, sure. Let's do it next month. And it's, it's in the pipeline for down the line. And I'm like, I'm not even sure if everyone's going to know this dude, but I'm like, I'm so excited because I've read this dude's book and I'm like, so into his whole story. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's nice. It's nice to find the balance. I know my friend Brian finds the balance sometimes between podcast guests that are more for his audience and then podcast guests that he gets selfishly because he wants to talk to them. So I totally understand that. Yeah, man. It it might get 10 listens, but it'll be worth it. Tell you. Anyway, I, I interrupted you there. You were talking about your whiteboard, your three points. Oh yeah, no, just just I just to to not bore the hell out of your listeners. Basically, I think I stole this from Gary Vee, but you know, macro patience, micro speed, which basically means have have decently move towards. I don't want to say have big goals; it's a bit cliche, but move towards a meaningful target, and then have a series of day-to-day processes that take you towards it. So it's just nice to have the three things that I kind of that to me selfishly, without another human being involved, like directly in the, in the sense that like my business goal gives me tremendous professional satisfaction and personal, to be honest, my, my body composition isn't as important to me as my general health, but my health tends to give me a better body comp. And then a language is a really personal, I spent most of my life genuinely, you know, we, we tend to remember, you know, I don't want to be falling into this, like, Oh, poor me, look how bad I had it. But I, I spent the first 25 years of my life legitimately thinking of I'm screwed because you know, I don't have any academic background, college dropout, like didn't do well at school really and working a minimum wage office job at 25 not particularly happy in that job and kind of feeling like I was going nowhere so like learning a language is kind of like oh I'm not as stupid as I thought um <laughs> you know I've really put boom yeah no but I've pushed past a lot of my own personal limitations I've really challenged all my ego stories in the last few years again probably why I'm so big on it now um and also like I hear people say things all the time like you have to read to be successful and you have to do this to be successful and I want to be the guy that's never read a book, but will have learned a language and run a business without really using a laptop or reading a book. I'm shocked at that. Read some books, dude. Books are great. Physically, physically read a book. I don't like, I can't, like, I can't, it's not how I learn. I, and this isn't me saying I can't without trying. Like, I have, I have a book there that I knew I'd read if I bought the four-hour work week. Can't get into it. My f- favorite footballer, Fernando Torres, my friend bought me his autobiography. Can't get into it. I, I just can't consume through reading. It has to be audio or video. So... Oh. Well, Audible I just counts. Learned that. I say that. If Audible, if Audible counts, then I love books. Yeah, absolutely. But reading itself, taking a note, like I would, I couldn't imagine. My, I, I literally couldn't imagine being in a position where the pen and paper needed to take a note. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but that's just how my brain works. And if I've ever learned anything, and I've learned some cool concepts, and I will be fluent in a language, and I'm weirdly going to be proud. I guess that's the ego coming through. I've been like, yeah, I learned a language. Never wrote a word. Screw you. <laughs> I, I, I was listening to a, a comedian the other day talking about, I think in fairness, he's got some relations that somehow tie back to speaking Spanish. And I think he has a little bit of Spanish from that. What I saw, I think it's Tom Segura. I'm not sure what his background is with Spanish, but he started doing a Spanish podcast. Why don't you do that? Why don't you oh, get outside your comfort zone? I thought zone about that. And just I have only like ever- even a 15 minute weekly podcast where you talk about your week in Spanish and you have to do the whole thing in Spanish, only 15 minutes. And now I, I'm a genius. I've come up with this. And if you make any money off it, I get 10%. But why don't you try that? I mean, if you're, you're I, always challenging me to push myself outside my comfort zone and maybe do something a little different. So why don't you start that where you're like, all right, once a week. And 
even if I'd probably listen to it, even if I didn't understand it, but just out of sheer curiosity to see if you could do it. Why don't you try it? Just like as a, as a 2020 idea, record 10 episodes of a Spanish podcast with Paul talking about, it doesn't matter if it's the cars passing your apartment or if it's like a coffee that you drank that morning. Why don't you just speak in Spanish daily, even if it's to yourself? It's, it, it's, it's actually, I, I, you know, I've been trying to think my thoughts in Spanish, believe it or not, um, which is actually surprisingly not terrible, but there's nobody to correct it. So you can think you're like, yeah, I'm right. And then you talk to someone in Spanish and then you realize how not right you are. I have like three Spanish followers, so maybe I could push it the right way. It's not actually a terrible idea, even just to practice. It could actually be worth worth I think it could work. Or even then, you might be able to wrangle a few Spanish guests. And then that way, you're having conversations in Spanish. And even if no one listens, you're benefiting you, man. Isolate my audience. (laughs) Welcome to this episode of the Spanish podcast, and nobody's listening. It's ideal. If, if, if no one's listening, no one's going to judge your mistakes, dude. <laughs> Not entirely I mean, untrue. I mean, think about it. Like my first few podcast episodes, I was dreading. I was thinking, oh, fuck it. Everyone's going to be laughing at me. But I'm like, at the same time, if it's crap and no one listens, there's no one there to laugh at me. So might as well just keep going. I'm not actually worried about anyone laughing at me. I honestly couldn't care less about that. It's just more literally not having downloads. You know, I'm going to check my, um, I'm going to check my Instagram insights and see how many Spanish people see the story. Uh, or whatever i think you can do that i'm not even 100 percent sure but you can see where you're popular the most i think if spain has any kind of percentage i might give it a try and if i do i'll be i'll have you to publicly thank on it or you could even just do it on your story i mean if you want to do it as a micro project first just do like a story a day in spanish talk about something yeah say i'm telling you man yeah it can yeah work. absolutely I'll, ta- I'll tag you in it if i do it i'm challenging you sir especially because you, you, you did me in a few months ago I, I was struggling to record a podcast. You said to me, oh, we'll both record one, Shane. We'll both release it today, and it's going to be up. And then Paul here, for you listeners who, who are unaware, completely bailed on me and never uploaded an episode and blamed technology. Absolute lies. Paul went I didn't and had bail. a coffee. I, I, I 100% recorded it. It was absolutely true. I did record it. And however I managed to do it, the audio didn't come out or it was blank or, or, or else the microphone wasn't set to blue ball microphone or whatever it was. It didn't record. And when I got home, I went, oh, I can't believe that I didn't record. I just recorded an hour podcast. Screw it. I'll do it. I'm not doing it again today. And then I won't lie. I did end up putting it on the back. But I didn't ignore the promise. I did the promise. It just didn't turn out right. Sure, sure. And sure. I mean, I mean where's, all the proof? People, where's the proof? My, there's no proof. I remember I had my client Steve on the podcast and we were talking. Steve, Steve got some decent coverage in Ireland for a pretty impressive weight loss transformation. And I had him on the podcast and I forgot, genuinely forgot to press record on the on the Amalto player, so we just had a conversation on Skype, but it wasn't recorded. And he was very, very nice about it, and he was like, he's very stoic, so he's like, ah, could be worse. Um, but, you know, if I can set up a podcast Skype interview with Steve and not press record, that that's the level of technology that I'm on, Shane. I'm not even slightly exaggerating. Yeah, in fairness, I was a bit worried about you yesterday when you were telling me you weren't sure how to how to get the app on your phone or you like you knew how to download it but you're worried about your memory and you were worried about how i'm going to access the call and i was like oh god paul's paul's going to struggle here so then then i literally i go and i screen record myself going into the app how to join a call and i'm like he's going to get to this just a demonstration and then you text me this morning going you see that code you put in the video is that the code and i was like oh no <laughs> what are we doing here Oh no! I wouldn't mind. I tried it. I tried it five or six times prior, and I was like, "Hmm, why isn't it working?" That's funny because when when I signed on, because 
I my my laptop is just absolutely crap, and I'm too cheap to buy a new one. So I'm using my old one from like college. So it works great for these calls, and it's perfect. It does the job because all I do on it is record podcasts. But at the same time, it's pretty laggy. So usually most programs take two or three attempts to actually open. So I come in usually 20 minutes early, open Zoom, sign into the call, and I'm just there waiting for the guests to come on. And I signed on today and it showed me, I think there was like six of you in, in Zoom. And I was like, has he attempted to join that many times? Is this a fault? I was like, what's he doing? And then funny, while we're recording, I got a little notification because with Zoom, there's, um, it's like more a business product than anything else. So there's a limit on how long you can record depending on the guests. So say, if you have more than two guests, you, you have a 40 minute limit. So I got this little notification there and it says, because you have three guests, uh, your podcast is going to run out soon. Or sorry, your recording is going to run out soon. I'm like, fuck, we're, we're having a good chat here. What the fuck is going on? So while you were talking, I was looking, I realized there's bloody two of you here. And that's what's stopping me from recording the podcast. So I, I had to kick one of you out. So it's tough. Tell you, dude, <laughs> your technology habits are completely diminishing my podcast quality. It's, it's as long as I can work, work the Gmail on my laptop and the WhatsApp on my phone, I can get by. That's post fair. Instagram. Post Instagram. I can Look, get by. Maybe when technology goes bust and we have nothing and we're literally living in this normal world where we have no internet and everything once you know, Donald Trump bombs the wrong country and we're all shagged, at least you'll be the one who'll go, oh, I'm fine. I can speak my little bit of Spanish. I can have my coffee. I do not need the internet. I mean, your business may go bust, but the rest of life, you're going to be fine. You're not going to be as dependent like us. One of the goals, Shano, has always been to be able to rely on word of mouth. So I don't plan on, if the internet did go bust, word of mouth would be the tool by which I'd be hoping to stay alive. I also believe I'd find a way if I had to go back to carrier pigeons or however it worked to get the word out there, I'd find a way. That's nice. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> I can agree with it. All right. So look, dude, we've been rambling for nearly an hour. Um, and awesome to have you on. Now, one of the, in, not an initiative, but one of the things I'm trying to do with people, more for both myself and just for those who maybe aren't doing that well at the moment, is get everyone who comes on the podcast, if they have any, and it's okay if they don't, to highlight a little bit of their own struggle. So I suppose for me, struggle a lot of the time could be anxiety, a little bit of depression, and a little bit of getting inside my own head. And obviously there's the weight loss side of things too. And that's something I'm trying to embrace, talk about and highlight to people just so they're aware that, you know, not everything goes perfect. Not everything is a highlight reel as social media will lead you to believe. So for you at the moment, what is your struggle and what is it you're really trying to work on for yourself? Is, is there anything that, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be fitness related or mindset related. Is there any one thing outside of maybe the Spanish that you're struggling with that you're just openly trying to fix for yourself? Trying, trying to find a bit of a balance between being more social again. I, I think I've wrapped myself. I told this to Orla last week. I wrapped myself around a story that uh, it doesn't matter that I don't spend as much time with friends or have fun with people anymore because you know, I'm doing this and doing that. But you know, I could, though at the cur I never want to put myself in a position whereby in 10 years I've pushed all my friends away or I'm the person that nobody wants to text to go out anymore. And that, that, that's my current mindset is allowing that to happen because I'm not doing anything with anyone at the moment because I work, I, I work quite a lot, to be honest. I also know how to relax hard, but I do work quite a lot. I work at relatively on social times because you know what the time difference sometimes a client will say can I call you Friday at one which is my Friday at 8 p.m and I don't yeah. mind that like I'm, I'm totally down for that so yeah I don't you know I think 
I think having a social life is a big one for me. Um, and it's a tricky one because the only thing that, that cuts into that is business, which I still love, work that I still love. But it might be relatable to your clients because I know that making a dietary change, people think that they might have to let that cut into their social life too, um, which can be a big thing. And, you know, I don't want to start giving half-assed advice, but, you know, on the principle, I would say you absolutely never need to let your social life die to chase body comp, you know, health is a hell of a lot more than macros and calories and stuff. But yeah, my biggest struggle right now is social life. And then obviously getting past the fear of public talking. Um, they're probably the two things I struggle with the most at the moment. Awesome, man. And how are, is there anything in particular you're doing to actually work on those? Or is it just something you're just trying to be conscious of? No, I'm not doing anything. I'm telling you the truth. I, I, I don't know why. I just, I feel everything works out in the end. I always, I just, I can't see the glass half empty. I used to think that I was just like, like, oh, I, I work hard on my outlook. Now I'm not as convinced. Now I just don't know if it's not biological or not, because I've always been, this element of my personality has always been there. Even when I like would, would have been like, you know, a bit lost and confused and dropped out of college. I always saw the glass half full. Um, and I just think everything works out. And I think there's about, I also think you're like, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you decide today's screwed, the world is a terrible place, your diet's written off and life's horrible. That's what happens. Like that, that's what happens. Um, but if you wake up and if I continue being like, yeah, you're not very good at public speaking, but like, you know, it's essentially a feature length podcast. People who have bought into you, trust you, you know, whether you get two people or 200 people or anything in between, that's people who trusted you with money and time, you know, the two most valuable currencies in our world. You know, you can only do your best and then take the honest, constructive criticism and constructive feedback. Um, the active social life, I should be doing more to fix it. I went out with Orla last Thursday with a group of our friends, which was the first time I had gone out in a group setting in a long time. But again, man, wrapping myself to stories like, oh, well, you know, it's it's fine to be quiet. I'm tired after a long day work. Like, you know, the, the, the I'm tired excuse. Like, no, you're not. You're just lazy and you're telling yourself a story, man. You have to catch this crap or else you'll be the 33-year-old the in four years that nobody wants to hang around with because you weren't there for them four years ago. Um, so th that's what I need to catch. But I'm trying to be less selfish in that respect. But in terms of the public speaking, no, I'm not worried. Like, you'll know what I'm going to talk about if you've listened to my podcast. If you've been a client of mine, you'll know the perspective by which I come at. And like, nobody's coming to it not to like me. I'm either going to get told I'm very good or constructively criticized. I'm not going to get any toxic feedback. So I'm doing it for me. I mean, I'm doing it for, for everybody that comes. If you get me, I want to change perspectives. And, but I'm doing it because it's my next area of growth. And the fear is there for the growth. Like, the, you know, I'm not scared about watching telly tonight because there's, there's nothing on the other end of that. Um, but this wouldn't be so scary if it wasn't tremendously worth doing on the other end. So, no, I'm not, to answer your question in a fucking nutshell, pardon me. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not doing anything at all. I am just practicing in my head how it's going to go and visualizing what the way I want it to be. And then I get to speak to you on the podcast and be like, speak clear, you idiot. Make people not hate you. Well, I think that's working on it. I mean, I know it's not taking up a whole new habit or reading a new book to try and prove it. But if you're thinking about it and you're working on it, that's something. It's something small it's and it's something that'll bring you closer to it rather than just ignoring it. So look, I respect that. I think that's awesome. And thanks so much for sharing. I mean, I think when it comes down to the struggle, I think people, I don't know, I think the buzzword is like, oh, mental health or the buzzword is like health and fitness. And it's like, that's what, that's the only areas you can struggle in. But I mean, the idea for some people that maybe you can struggle in just getting out and actually seeing your friends 
it probably happens to most of us from time to time when everything gets on top of you and you're too fucking busy. So fucking it's good to know that someone else is probably feeling the same. Yeah, and you're you're right about the, the mental health being a bit of a buzzword. Um I I I, I trim like really do take tremendous care of my mental health it's something that I feel I work hard on every single day I try and always keep the inner child in me alive for sure because you know I think that's so important but I just don't think without health you have anything and it's not obvious to me that just improving your body comp is going to make you happier but when you kind of constantly work on the, the mental health aspects you know take a bit more time for you try and whatever personal development looks to you, try and start operating from the higher self, take care of your physical health and stuff, like exercising frequently, trying to learn. Um, I just, I'm trying to develop good open relation, not open relationships, you know what I mean? Good, honest. <laughs> I mean, whatever you honest, Paul, you know, that's okay. <laughs> whatever the Vietnamese be doing these days, open relationships, that's cool. Exactly. No, but good, healthy relationships with those closest to you. You know, I think we all know that it's easy to get, if you don't, guard against it you can get involved in kind of relationships where comments can be passive aggressive and kind of toxic and you know atmospheres can kind of happen it's just something i observe quite a lot but i i do you're right about the mental health struggles i think we're in a generation and an era of it and i don't know if it comes down to poor values i don't know if it comes down to being a generation of overly worked people who don't get paid enough and therefore are overly stressed out i don't know if it comes down to lack of self-awareness like i have no idea social media consumption probably doesn't help like my social media um feed is very much curated like i've you if you tap the three dots on any of the posts on your home screen the the home screen the search thing you can like block posts like this and i've pretty much done that with all these massive shredded physiques because i i know the score i've been involved in the physique competing scene i know the amount of drugs filter photoshop and throwbacks that's involved they don't do anything for my motivation if anything they make me compare myself against it i just know that so i get rid of them like I do try and keep great relationships with my very best friends and my girlfriend. I try and make sure that I'm always in some degree of shape and it's hard. It's really hard. I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but mental health means so much to me. And if I'm encouraging even just one person to try and take care of theirs, just a hair more tomorrow, like it has to start somewhere. Um, and that's something I very much guard against every day. So I'm lucky that my, my struggles are struggles that I'm trying to put on myself at the moment, like public talking and even the lack of social life. Um, I mean, there are things I, that are going to help you grow as well it's, it's not just down yeah. to it's a good struggle it's a struggle no, in the I'm right not, direction and i'm not sitting here going look at me life is fairy tales and rosy but like i'm just a very enthusiastic happy guy i don't know how i am i just i'm blessed that that's the way i'm wired to think i heard a brilliant definition of self-esteem do you follow jordan peterson i do a little bit but i i tried to read his but well i tried to listen to his book and i couldn't get into it so now I listen to the odd talk on YouTube, but I wouldn't say I, I massively subscribe to him by any means, but I think he's got some interesting points. He's got like a series of kind of psychoanalytical tests and kind of psychometric tests and personality psychology lecture. Um, now, again, I don't think you should get overly attached to these by any means. I just think they're kind of interesting to do, but he, he gave a really good definition of self-esteem. He was just kind of talking about how, you know, we're fed this, nonsense that we should all just have more self-esteem as if it's just something that you don't kind of work towards but he kind of defined self-esteem as quite simply your the amount of positive emotion you feel versus the amount of negative emotion you feel and because i have a positive outlook and i always see the glass half full i feel a lot of positive emotion so therefore i have a rel relatively good self-esteem relative i don't even know if that's the word you want to put that it, but it's just more of an outlook so i've been very fortunate with 
with outlook on life. That's why I write daily emails. That's why I do podcasts. If I can half inspire someone to just shift their perspective, to take the next action that would lead to a slightly better perceived self. That's something I really like sharing. Um, and, and developing a healthy relationship with food, which is my absolute passion in life could be the thing that does it. I don't know, but yeah, hope that makes sense. I like it. I like it a lot. Anyway, dude, uh, before you go, just for anyone who hasn't, who hasn't listened to your podcast before, maybe doesn't follow you on social media yet, where can these lovely people find you? Thanks, man. Um, Paul Dermody PT on Instagram, Paul Dermody on Facebook, the Paul Dermody podcast. And I also have an email list that I write to most days. So yeah, they're the, they're the places to get me. Awesome. Everyone listening, if you enjoyed Paul, and I'm sure you did, please go hit him up. Please go follow. I mean, he finally got to his 10K and he's clearly buzzing because he finally has a swipe up, but he still needs more followers. So keep, keep bringing him <laughs> in. Do him that favor. Dude, look, thanks so much for coming on for the chat. I know you're, I'm not even sure what time is it for you there? It's like 5.23 p.m. Nice. You're way ahead of me. I've only had yeah. three coffees and I still need to start my day. Look, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, dude. Really appreciate it. It's been a good one. Dude, thank you. Thanks for having me.